Welcome in to episode 13 of College Sports Today. You're on WLRZ 99.3 FM. As always, Hamilton Neal here joining you. We thank you as always for taking the time to listen this week. Jam-packed show yet again, as always. We have a ton to talk about. We'll start things off with news from right here at Lenoran University. We'll talk LR men's and women's swimming, what they've been up to. We'll talk about some news with the track and field teams. We'll also talk football as well as obviously the men's and women's basketball teams, what they've been doing, their games over the weekend, what they've been doing midweek as well. Look ahead to what they have coming up. In college football, we'll talk some recruiting news as we'll go over the top five signing classes for 2022. And we'll wrap up with our men's and women's college basketball segment, where as always, we'll go over our top five games from the last week. But again, we're going to get things started with LR News and the LR men's swimming team. They dominated the King Tri Meet back this past weekend, winning 11 of 14 events on the afternoon. The Bears defeated Emory and Henry 142 to 108, and host King 148 to 91. The afternoon got started with a win in the 200 medley relay. With a team consisting of Jacob Green, John Ryan, Micah McRae, and Spencer Ashby, they finished with a time of 136.35. These four were not done, though. Each took home multi-wins on the afternoon. Green started it with a win in the 50 back, and then later took home the 100 back. Ryan got two wins as well in the 50 and 100 fly, with times of 24.27 and 52.87. Ashby and McRae each won three events in the meet. Ashby won the 50 and the 100, and the 500 free. Ashby had times of 21.80, 48.67 and 458.06 respectively and McCray got his first two wins in the 50 breast and 100 breast then finished his hat trick with a win in the 100 IM. Coming up the Bears return home for a meet against Lee's McCray. Same goes for the Lenoran women's swimming team who was also at the King Tri meet back this past weekend. Lisa Bornigan and Kimberly Scheiber each won three events. The Bears defeated Emory and Henry 174 to 69 and King 150 to 104. Bornigan took home a win in both the 50 fly and the 100 fly along with a victory in the 100 free for her hat trick. Scheiber got victories in the 50 breast with a time of 31.79, and the 100 breast with a time of 108.91. Her third win came in the 100 IM with a time of 102.72. Bornigan and Scheiber also joined forces along with Keanu Taylor and Emily Harness to win the 200 medley relay to start the event. The relay team won with a time of 154. The Lenoran women's track and field team sits atop the Southeast Regional Rankings released by the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association on Tuesday. The Bears men's team sits in second place in the initial rankings. The women are 17 points ahead of second place Queens, and the men trail only Queens in its rankings. The men are also ranked 16th in Week 1 national rankings from the USTFCCCA, the highest ranking in school history. The rankings were earned from results from the Bass Krieger Invitational back on December 3rd and the JDL Flat is Fast Invitational on January 23rd. Indoor season is ramping up for LR. Both teams will be in action every weekend from now until the South Carolina Conference Indoor Championships February 26th and 27th. The Bears are competing next this weekend in Columbia, South Carolina at the South Carolina Invitational on Friday, January 28th and Saturday, January 29th. Lenoran football wide receiver Dariq Young has been selected to the 2022 East-West Shrine Bowl. Young, a 6'3", 220-pound grad student, played in 43 career games 
and finished with 73 catches for 1,176 yards and 16 touchdowns to go with 88 rushes for 658 yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. The East-West Shrine Bowl is the longest-running college all-star football game in the nation. The East-West Shrine Bowl is an important part of America's football tradition, giving top college players a chance to showcase their talents to NFL scouts and a national television audience. The East-West Shrine Bowl benefits Shriners Hospitals for Children and its mission to provide excellent care for children with orthopedic conditions, burns, spinal cord injuries, and cleft lip and palate, regardless of their family's ability to pay. The 97th Annual East-West Shrine Bowl will be played in primetime on Thursday, February 3rd at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Moving over now to LR Basketball, the Lenoran men's basketball team dropped a tough two-point loss in Shuford Gymnasium as Coker stole a 62-60 road win back on Saturday. The Cobras had four players score in double figures in a hotly contested game that featured seven ties and nine lead changes. LR held a 33-28 edge in rebounds, including 15 on the offensive end. The Bears were down two of their top three scorers in Jalen Johnson and TJ Nesmith. This is the fifth loss by LR this season in games decided by one possession. Kevin Kangu led the Bears with 20 points and hit five trips nearly hit the game-winning shot from half-court at the end as well. Nas Tyson grabbed a career-high nine boards and added 14 points and three assists. P.J. Joseph had a career-high seven boards, six of those on the offensive glass. Cooper Fowler had nine points and went four of six from the field. Wednesday, the team scored the second most points in the game and shot over 47% from the field in a road victory over Mars Hill, 96-84. The Bears turned the ball over just six times in the contest, the second fewest on the year. LR led at the half for the fifth straight game. The Bears have won nine straight overall against Mars Hill and haven't lost on the road since 2017. These two teams will play again on February 19th. This is the last South Atlanta Conference opponent that LR has played, and they've already competed the season series against Wingate, Coker, Carson Newman, and Lincoln Memorial. LR grabbed a season high 41 rebounds and 17 offensive boards. Jalen Johnson led the way in scoring with 22 points. TJ Nesmith, in his return as well, had 20. Kevin Kangu and Sal Wilson had 13 and 12, respectively. Bears with the win improved to 5 and 14 overall, 4 and 12 in South Atlanta Conference play. They will next take the floor Saturday at Tusculum. Trailing 63-52 with 2.45 left in the fourth quarter, the Lenoran women's basketball team scored the last 11 points to force overtime Saturday afternoon against Coker. However, the Bears route scored 9-2 in the last 3.15 of OT as the Cobras pulled out a 73-72 win. Brandi Hudson had a career-high 35 points in the loss. She went 16-20 of 20 from the free throw line, which was too short of the score record set by Amy Jenkins. Jenkins hit 18 free throws on January 5, 1995, a record that has stood for the last 27 years. Emily Harmon finished with 12 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists in 38 minutes of action. Hannah Stoll, Megan Lancedal, and Harmon each had a pair of steals in the game. The Bears then snapped a four-game losing skid with a 62-43 win at Lincoln Memorial on a rare Monday night game. The Bears held Lincoln Memorial scoreless from the floor for 13 minutes and 55 seconds during the second and third quarters. Brandy Hudson had a game-high 19 points, while Emily Harmon added 18 points and 7 rebounds. After that 19-point win at LMU, the Bears traveled to Marceau Wednesday and defeated the Lions 74 to 57. Hannah McClung had a season-high 15 points on 6 of 10 shooting. With the 74 points, the Bears have averaged 81.2 points in the last 10 games against Mars Hill, the highest total against any opponent. In addition, sophomore Blakely Crooks reached the 200 career point mark with her basket in the fourth quarter. With that 1-2 stretch, LR improves to 6-10 overall, 5-9 in South Atlantic Conference play. They will next as well 
be at Tusculum on Saturday. Huge games coming up for both the LR men's and women's basketball teams, both riding some momentum right now. Let's look at the men's team first. Obviously, that game against Coker, so back and forth. If you were there like I was, you felt the energy. The atmosphere was just outstanding as that game was going on. Back and forth, both teams went. Especially in the second half, Coker really started to turn it on offensively. With Jordan Jones, their point guard, he was steady all game long. Janarius Snell really hurt the Bears from deep. He was consistently knocking in shots. And LR had to really grit their way back to really find their rhythm late in the game. They didn't get that going until the last couple of minutes. They were down 10, worked their way back to that point where they had that opportunity to win the game at the end with Kevin Kangoo shooting from half court, was not to be. He had a great game, though, 20 points, five triples. He was the guy that kept Lenoran in the game. If he doesn't have the performance he has, LR's not anywhere close to winning that one. Nas Tyson did some really good things, had a really consistent, versatile stat line, 14 points, nine rebounds, three dimes. P.J. Joseph, I thought, really provided some toughness and some size for this LR team, as did Cooper Fowler as well. Those are the only two guys that have a ton of size. This is a very small Lenoran team. And it was a smaller Coker team as well, so it was a good matchup for them in that regard. A lot of the time, though, LR's out-rebounded. That's something that they've struggled with. They did a lot better, though, in the Mars Hill game of pulling down the boards and making that happen consistently. 41 rebounds, 17 on the offensive glass. They got Jalen Johnson back. They got TJ Nesmith back. Had those two played in the Coker game, I really believe the Bears would have won that one. Kevin with 13, Sal Wilson with 12. Those four working in unison against that Mars Hill team. It was just really impressive to watch. Now they're at 5-14 and 14 overall, 4-12 and 12 in the conference. At Tusculum Saturday, a team that they had lost to at home not too long ago. If LR wants to get another win, they got to do the things they did against Mars Hill. Consistently rebound the basketball, take care of it, not turn it over, get Jalen and TJ going because really TJ Nesmith I think is their most versatile player at that forward spot. He can move around on the wing, go inside. Jalen Johnson provides that stabilizing force. Kevin Kangu can play at the two. He can play at the three. He's very versatile as well. There's so much talent on this LR team. It just has not consistently come together from game to game. We'll see if they can keep things going at Tusculum Saturday. As we mentioned, the women's basketball team performing very well also, especially in the two-game winning streak coming off of that really tough loss there against Coker. That was a well of a game. 73-72 overtime contest. Brandy Hudson just had a tremendous game. 35 points. 16-20 from the free throw line as well, attacking, becoming more and more aggressive from game to game. That's what LR wants to see from all of their players, inside ability, outside ability. Brandy Hudson has that, but again, was very aggressive, putting her head down, getting to the rim. That's why she had so much success in that game. Emily Harmon, very good stat line yet again, 12-6-5, almost played the entire game, only sat for two minutes. They got some other players involved as well. That maybe hadn't gotten as much floor time. Hannah Stahl, Megan Lancedo as well. Those two had a couple of steals in the game, as did Emily Harmon. Good road win at LMU. Hudson with 19, Harmon with 18. Hannah McClung had a breakout game against Mars Hill on Wednesday in that 74-57 win. 15 points, 6 of 10 from the floor. Blakely Crooks got in on the action as well. So starting to see some other players get involved, make some impact for this team. That's only going to help LR moving forward Saturday at Tusculum for them as well. Going back up to some of the other things that we talked about, the swimming teams doing really good things at the King Try Meet. 
Jacob Green, John Ryan, Mikey McRae, Spencer Ashby, those guys for the men's squad, again, showing out in the 50, the 100 fly, 100 IM, 50 breast, the list goes on and on. And the names that we've always mentioned on the women's side of things as well, Lisa Bornigan, Kimberly Scheiber, Emily Harness, Kiana Taylor, those four really showed out. They really provided some great things. They had a long layoff. They're back into action. The men's and women's track and field teams earning some high honors from the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association. The women's squad sits at number one in their Southeast Regional Rankings, the men at number two in their poll. And LR football wide receiver Dariq Young going to be playing in the 2022 East-West Shrine Bowl. Very huge honor for one of our own here at LRU. We saw Kyle Duggar a couple of years ago playing the Senior Bowl. Dariq Young going to be playing in the East-West Shrine Bowl. Had an outstanding career here at LR. 43 career games, 73 catches, over 1,100 yards, 16 TDs, was a factor on the ground as well, 88 rushes for 658 yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. Going to have the opportunity to play on national television during NFL Pro Bowl week, play with other D1 guys, some of the other best players in the country. He's a guy that had an opportunity to transfer to a D1 school. He was that good here at LR. Almost every NFL team came here over the course of the season to check him out. He is definitely going to be drafted. I think he's going to make an impact early on whatever team he goes to. And whoever gets him, I think, will be getting a steal. Because, again, you can play him at wide receiver. You can play him some in the backfield. At least that's what LR did. And I really compare him to a guy like Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers because what you see Kyle Shanahan, their head coach, do with Debo Samuel is split him out wide because his natural position is wide receiver, dominates catching the ball, but he also can be utilized in the backfield as well. That's something that they've done with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see whatever NFL team picks him up do some of that same stuff, you know, kind of in the mold of a Debo Samuel. That's who I compare Dariq Young to, a 6'3", 220, big, strong, guy who can get the 50-50 ball, has a ton of quickness, just as the complete package at the wide receiver position, and he'll have an opportunity, again, like I mentioned, to play in front of millions of people at home, everyone there watching the game, Again, that's Thursday, February 3rd at Allegiant Stadium during NFL Pro Bowl Week, East-West Shrine Bowl. This game has some great causes as well. They benefit Shriners Hospitals for Children, their mission to provide excellent care for children with orthopedic conditions. Just all the way around, a great event, a lot of charitable stuff going on, and the opportunity for top draft prospects to show what they can provide to an NFL team. So, LR wide receiver Dariq Young has been selected to the 2022 East-West Shrine Bowl. And that's a lot of stuff going on here at Lenore Ryan right now with men's and women's swimming, with track and field. We've got football to talk about, men's and women's basketball. We'll have so much more in the upcoming weeks as well. We have baseball starting up, tennis is coming up, softball, men's and women's lacrosse, all of that stuff. You're not going to want to miss this. So this LR segment will continue to be packed week in and week out. Now let's go over into our second segment where we are talking college football. The season obviously has wrapped up. The Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship against the Alabama Crimson Tide to complete the 2021-2022 season. But now we're at that point where we're going to take a look into what we have coming up for this fall 2022 season. We can't do that without talking about the top young talent coming into college football this upcoming fall. So what we're going to do here in the segment tonight is we're going to go over the top five signing classes for 2022. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to go over the top 10, the top 15, the top 20 talk about all the teams that are bringing in top-level talent. Tonight, again, we're going one through five, and we're going to start with Texas A&M. They support the number one ranked recruiting class here in 2022. They have 27 total commits, six are five stars, 18 are four stars, three are three-star recruits. At number two is Alabama. They have 24 total commits, four five stars, 18 four stars, two three stars, 
Georgia comes in at number three. They have 27 commits, just like Texas A&M. They have five five-stars, 15 four-stars, a seven at three-stars. At number four, you have the Ohio State Buckeyes with 21 total commits. They have two five-stars, 17 four-stars, and two three-stars signed. And rounding out the top five at number five is Texas. 28 total commits, one five-star, 18 four-stars, and eight three-stars. That top five dominated by the SEC with A&M, Alabama, Georgia, residing in the top three spots. Now let's go over and look at some of the recruits that make up these elite classes. Obviously, tons of commits for all these schools. We don't have the time to go over everybody, but we're going to go over the top signees for all five of these schools, starting with Texas A&M. They have the number one class overall. The highest ranked player signed in this cycle is the 11th ranked player in the class, according to 247 Sports. All the rankings that we're going to be talking about here tonight are from the 247 Sports composite rankings. Obviously, there's the ESPN 300. You have the top 247 rankings as well, but we're going to be looking at the 247 Sports composite. The highest ranked player in this class for A&M is wide receiver Evan Stewart. Again, ranked 11th overall, second at his position, fourth in the state of Texas in the class, six foot, 175 pounds. Tons of talent here at the wide receiver position. He's not the biggest guy. He's only six foot and he's 175 pounds. You don't see a ton of size here. You don't see a ton of strength at six foot, 175. But what you do see is speed and breakaway ability. And you know how a lot of people were talking about Devontae Smith coming out of Alabama, and they were saying, well, he doesn't have a lot of size. He's a shorter wide receiver. He doesn't have as much strength as you would like to see. What he did for the Philadelphia Eagles this year, he had some really good moments and was a high draft pick, was the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. Evan Stewart is in that mold, all right? And I think he can be a really great wide receiver for them. Again, he's ranked 11th overall in the class. At number 16 in the class is Gabriel Brownlow Dindy at defensive line, six foot three. 280 pounds. They're bringing in a quarterback as well, Connor Weigman, ranked 19th overall, second at his position. He's ranked only behind Cade Klubnick, who's committed to Clemson, fifth in the state of Texas. He's out of Bridgeland in Cyprus, six foot two, 208 pounds, good size, has the ability to throw the ball downfield, obviously, as the arm talent, has the ability to move around back there. He's big. You got Denver Harris at cornerback. He's ranked 22nd overall, fourth at the position, sixth in the state of Texas. Again, you see a recurring theme here, elite in-state recruiting. He's out of North Shore in Houston. We mentioned Evan Stewart out of Frisco, out of Liberty there. Connor Wagman, we mentioned from Bridgeland in Cyprus, elite in-state recruiting. This is what Jimbo Fisher has really made a practice priority. We have so many of the best players nationally right in our own backyard. Let's go get them. Those are just some of the five-star recruits there that A&M is bringing in. Alabama got a couple of five-stars coming in as well. The highest-ranked player they have coming in is actually not even ranked inside the top 20, which is you know kind of rare for Alabama. You usually see them littered throughout the top five, the top 10, 15. Highest-ranked player they're bringing in is Jaheed Campbell at edge, six foot three, 215 pounds, ranked 21st overall, second at his position, third in the state of Florida, obviously coming out of the powerhouse IMG Academy in Bradenton. They have a quarterback coming in as well at a Westview in Martin, Tennessee. It's six foot two, 200 pound Ty Simpson, ranked 25th overall, third at his position, second in the state. Really good wide receiver, Aaron Anderson out of Louisiana. Number 34 overall, number one in the state though. Obviously LSU was on him hard. Just like we talked about with Evan Stewart at Texas A&M, Aaron Anderson, very similar with maybe the lack of size, the lack of strength when scouts are looking at him and evaluating him. A lot of speed here, a lot of breakaway ability, a lot of the same talent that Evan Stewart has, a lot of the skill set that he possesses. You see with Aaron Anderson on the five-star front, that's what Alabama has going on. Some other talent coming in, Tyler Booker on the offensive line, 
massive at 6'5", 325 pounds out of IMG Academy, just like we talked about with Jaheed Campbell. Curtis Perry on the defensive line, 6'2", 265. He's ranked inside the top 70. Jaheim Otis also on that D-line, number 70 in the rankings. Alabama really making defense a priority here. They need to maybe take a page out of Georgia's book. Big reason Georgia won national championship this year was because of a dominant defensive front. You know, Alabama didn't even have a great defense overall this year. It starts up front. It always does. And these young guys, along with the other players that are in this program, are going to make a huge, huge impact for them, I think. And really good recruiting class. Again, when you bring in six, five stars and you're number two in the composite, definitely, definitely nothing to complain about. Going over now to Georgia, they are also loading up on highly ranked talent. The highest ranked player we've talked about so far in this segment is Michael Williams on the defensive line, six foot five, 265 pounds. He's ranked fourth overall, second in position, second in the state of Georgia. He's out of Hardaway in Columbus. Also coming out of Georgia is Malachi Starks, an athlete at six foot one, 200 pounds, ranked 18th overall. Daylon Everett, ranked 27th overall, plays the cornerback position. He's out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. We've talked about IMG a whole lot here in this segment, quite obviously. Going down to some four stars that they're bringing in. Got Ernest Green on the offensive line, 6'4 330 pounds out of St. John Bosco in California. A local recruit coming into Georgia is Delon Walker at linebacker, 6'2", 220 pounds out of Salisbury, North Carolina, not too far away from here in Hickory. And Bear Alexander, also out of IMG Academy in Bradenton on the D-line, 6'3", 325, just ranked inside the top 60. You see a lot of guys on the offensive and defensive front here for Georgia, mostly on the defensive side. Jalon Walker is a really versatile linebacker. He got so much buzz and so much recruiting attention because of his measurables, 6'2", 220, as we mentioned, and his ability to go from sideline to sideline. That's what linebackers have to have. They got to have that ability to run and have some speed to them and Jalon's really that guy. I think he's going to make a huge impact at some point for Georgia. Again, even if you're a highly ranked recruit, you may not get a whole lot of playing time early, especially at programs like Georgia, especially at programs like Ohio State as well. Something that you didn't expect to see was Ohio State bringing only two five-stars here in this 2022 class, but they're both really good. Ranked seventh overall, C.J. Hicks at linebacker, 6'3", 215 pounds, number one at his position, number one in the state of Ohio, played at Archbishop Alter in Dayton. Sonny Styles also out of Ohio, out of Pickerington Central. You know, when you're talking about Ohio high school football, you're always talking about Pickerington Central. Westerville, obviously Archbishop Alter, plays a safety spot at six foot four, ranked twelfth overall. They're bringing in a quarterback, Devin Brown, out of Corner Canyon in Utah, ranked forty second overall. He's at the four star level right now, six two and a half, one hundred ninety six pounds. A couple other guys are bringing in at the four star line: Kenyatta Jackson on the edge, Caleb Brown at wide receiver, Colin Gray's also at the wide receiver spot. Those two guys are part of the future. Both are ranked inside the top one hundred. Brown ranked seventy eighth overall. Gray's at ranked 87th overall. Buckeyes had to go a ways out to get Gray's. He's out of Arizona. Caleb Brown out of Chicago. Those two are really going to provide some good stuff for them. Ohio State always has one of the best wide receiving cores in the entire country. They've really had that for the last two or three years now. And with guys like this coming in, definitely not going to see that slow up. And finally, the Texas Longhorns. Only one five-star coming in, a ton of four-stars. Kelvin Banks is the five-star. Six foot five, 300 pounds on the offensive line. He's an offensive tackle. A couple of four-stars coming in. You got Terrence Brooks out of Little Elm in Texas, ranked 82nd overall. Jamon Trapp, Justice Finkley, out of the South, 106th, 115th overall. Both of those guys are on the edge. Brian Allen Jr., out of Alito, Texas, number 125 overall in the rankings. You saw Texas really dominate with the four stars, not nearly as much with the five stars, only one five star there out of their 28 commits signed. But the volume of four stars they got and some of the three stars 
is the reason they were able to get to that fifth spot in these recruiting rankings. And that's what these schools have coming in. Again, you can see the full list of commits. You go to 247sports.com, you go to ESPN and their top 300 rankings and their class rankings. You can see all of the guys that those schools are bringing in. But just look at some of those guys. Keep your eye on some of those players moving forward at Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas. Next week, we'll go over 6 through 10. I don't know how far we're going to go down yet. I think we'll probably stop around maybe the top 20, top 25 classes because we want to have a recurring college football segment on this show despite the fact that there aren't games right now. And this will be a great segment to fill that. Talking about some recruiting, talk about some guys coming in for these programs who you got to keep your eye on as well. So that's what we got with college football right now. Really exciting to continue to go over this. Again, this was one through five. Next week, we'll go over six through 10. Now let's go over and talk some college basketball. We've had a ton of games over the last week. As usual, our top five games from the men's side, our top five games from the women's side. We'll start with NCAA men's basketball and go back to Saturday, January 22nd, where we had a huge SEC matchup between Auburn and Kentucky. This game was very hyped coming in. Everyone was excited to see it nationally televised on CBS, packed house there at Auburn. The thing that everyone was talking about coming in was, hey, if Auburn wins this game, can they be the number one team in the country? Because back last week when they were playing this game, they were ranked number two. Gonzaga was ahead of them at number one. And, you know, some people said, yeah, yeah, I would put them at number one with the win. And others said, you know, it would be a huge, huge win for their program. But I don't know if I'd go that far to put him at number one over Gonzaga, you know, with Gonzaga not losing or anything, they would have the right to stay at that number one spot. Auburn got the win, and they're now ranked number one in the country in the AP Top 25. 80-71 the score here over 12th ranked Kentucky. Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, their front court, they've carried them all season long. They did no different here in this one. Kessler 19-7. and Jabari Smith 14-7 and in this win. Katie Johnson at 17. Wendell Green had 11 to provide some more balance there for that Auburn offense. For Kentucky, Kellen Grady, Savio Wheeler both had 17. Oscar Sheboy had his usual double-double, 16 points, 14 rebounds, but I love the aggressiveness of Auburn going to the free throw line. Time after time, they were just drawing those fouls, getting Kentucky in bad situations defensively. Tigers 24 of 29 from the free throw line there, and again, they're now ranked number one in the country. Sunday, January 23rd, 22nd ranked Marquette, 75-64 over number 21 Xavier. Justin Lewis, 20 points, 13 rebounds to lead Marquette. Daryl Morcell had 19. Cameron Jones had 12. For Xavier, Paul Scruggs had 13. On Monday, January 24th, we had a barn burner between number five, Kansas, and number 13, Texas Tech. Back and forth, both of these teams went. The win went to KU, 94-91. to Ochai Baji, 37 points for the contest. That was a game high. Christian Brown had 15. David McCormick had 13. For Texas Tech, Bryson Williams had 33 points at a game of his own, just like Abaji on the other side, lighting it up there for the Red Raiders. Divion Warren added 15 as well. Big reason Kansas came out with this win, 50-38 edge on the glass. They assisted on 15-32 made field goals, nearly half there. Both teams took over 70 shots here in this contest. It was all offense, no defense. It went out the window the second that this game started. All offense there. Kansas, Texas Tech, just an incredible game. And we wrap up with two games on Tuesday, January 25th. 24th ranked Illinois, 56-55 over number 10 Michigan State. Trent Frazier had 16. Alfonso Plummer had 11. Illinois was out-rebounded 41-27 by MSU. They only shot 3-7 from the free throw line weren't doing that consistently, but they found a way to win. And that's what you want to see from elite level teams. Speaking of elite level teams, you had two of them playing in the Pac-12 as well that day. Seventh ranked UCLA, third ranked Arizona. Win went to the Bruins, 75-59. Jules Bernard, Johnny Juzang, both had 15 here in this one. Cody Riley added 12. Jaime Jaquez had 10. For Arizona, Benedict Matherin had 16 and 10 rebounds as well. And now we're starting to see as we get into late January, early February coming up, the elite teams 
when they play each other, we're going to see the hierarchy start to develop. And in the Pac-12, I think it's particularly interesting because Arizona all season has been regarded as the best team. Almost all season, they've been regarded as the top team in the Pac-12. They were the highest ranked team coming in and, uh, and still are the highest ranked team this week. But UCLA is going to jump them with this win. UCLA coming into the season was ranked second behind Gonzaga and they took some losses there and they took their lumps, but they're starting to get back. And Johnny Juzang's playing well. To see Jules Bernard really step up and co-lead them in scoring, huge sign for UCLA because a lot of times it's Johnny having to carry them on his own. It's Johnny having to get all the points. For Jules Bernard to step up, very, very good sign for UCLA. Cody Rowley on the inside, very underrated. Arizona just didn't have enough on the interior to keep up. They didn't have enough on the outside. You know, UCLA has star power. Arizona's a very underrated, even blue-collar type of team at times with their personnel, with the way that they play. Not always with the way they score. They can light it up. But here in this game, struggling on the offensive end, and it's got to be up to other guys to pick up the slack scoring. I mean, Benedict Matherin can only do so much. He's only one man. Christian Coloco had 11 points. He had a solid game. Pele Larson had 10. You need to see more from Dalen Terry, Kirk Creasa, who we talked about on this show a while back when we were discussing Arizona. Just a little bit more balance around Benedict Matherin. Going to be a big key. Illinois, like we said, you know, really tough win there against Michigan State. Really was the opposite of that Kansas-Texas Tech game. No offense here in this one. All defense, gritty, low scoring. They were heavily outplayed on the inside on the glass. We mentioned that they weren't getting to the line. But Trent Frazier is the reason that they won this game. 16 points, he's that steady force for them. He can lead them whenever he needs them to do so. And one more team I want to talk about here before we go over and talk about the women's games, Marquette Golden Eagles, team that came into this year unranked. No one was talking about them, but they have arguably the best player right now in the Big East Conference in Justin Lewis. 20 points, 13 rebounds here in this one. He's consistently done this all year long. And I believe it was maybe about a month ago or so here on the show, we talked about Marquette. I like them then. I like them even more now with this one against Xavier. Very good Xavier team. Again, a team that was just ranked one spot ahead of them in the top 25. Daryl Morsell, Cameron Jones, all this personnel is working. Like They don't have a superstar on their team. I think Justin Lewis is ascending to star status right now, but they don't have a superstar right now. They don't have a National Player of the Year contender, but they're really well coached by Shaka Smart. And for him to come over to Marquette and keep a guy like Justin Lewis, you know, who was there under the previous staff, committed to the previous coaching staff to get Daryl Morsell in there, you know, to utilize the pieces that are there. That's very important. And that's going to be key for Marquette going forward. Continue to play well on the offensive end, on the defensive end. They did both of those things there in that game. So a lot of good games there in the top five men's portion. Really excited to continue to watch all these games. All the conference races are very exciting right now. Same thing can be said on the women's side. In our women's top five games here, we're going to go over some contests that had big implications in conference. A lot of them out of the SEC. And we have three games from Sunday, one from Monday, one from Wednesday. We're going to start with the three Sunday games. Number four, Tennessee, 63-55 over Georgia, ranked 13th at the time of this contest. Jordan Horston, 19 points, 11 rebounds, four assists in the game. Tennessee with that win, 18-1 and on the year. Florida improved to 15-5 and with a 73-72 upset over number 11, LSU. 
Kiara Smith had 23 points, 3 rebounds, and 8 assists. Out of the Pac-12, 10th-ranked Arizona improved to 14-2 on the year with a 75-56 win over number 22 Colorado. Shana Pellington had 28 points and 4 rebounds, plus 2 assists. Monday, top-ranked South Carolina improved their record to 18-1 with a dominant 55-point win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Aliyah Boston, 11 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists in that win. And Wednesday, we had a tremendous Big East Conference battle between the number 10 UConn Huskies as they took down DePaul by a score of 80-78. Freshman Caroline Ducharme again led the way for the Huskies, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Kristen Williams returning to the lineup for UConn after being out with COVID protocols, 17 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. Coming off the bench in her return from a foot injury, AZ Fudd had 15 points in 22 minutes. Nika Meal was also in double figures with 12 points in 34 minutes of action. Anisha Morrow had a monster game for DePaul, leading the way with 30 points and 14 rebounds. Sonia Morris had 19. Darion Rogers and Lexi Held had 12 points apiece as well. Great win here for UConn to continue to get back on track, continue to get right after that loss to Oregon. And remember last week on the show, we weren't talking too well about this UConn women's basketball team. That loss was one that really exposed their flaws. And they're things that still haven't been fully corrected. And I'm going to talk about those things here in a second. But Credit to them for showing the grit and showing the fight here late in this game to get the win 80-78. to They were trailing there for a while there in the fourth quarter, and you were questioning there for a minute, you know, can this team do it? Do they have what it takes mentally and physically? Can they put it all together to get a win? Because what we've seen with UConn this season is some vulnerability, turning the basketball over, inconsistency on the glass. That's something that I really went into a lot last week, as well as inability from certain players to get scoring going. Really, since that last show, when we talked about that Oregon loss and in the last three games against Seton Hall, St. John's, and now DePaul, Nika Mula stepped it up. She's had an 11-point game, a 9-point game, and now a 12-point game. They got Kristen Williams back. If she wasn't going in this one, I don't think that they would have won. AZ Fudd coming off the bench in her return from injury, very huge for them as well. They still don't have Paige Beckers back. It's still going to be a little bit until she's back in that lineup. She just got off crutches about two weeks ago, and she needs some time to continue to recover. She is shooting. She is clear to shoot right now, but not really move around with that injury, the tibial plateau fracture. So in the meantime, Caroline Ducharme has played like an absolute superstar. Not only is she the favorite, I think the odds-on favorite to win National Freshman of the Year, but is a player that you got to consider for Big East Player of the Year. The way that she's playing right now, 19 points, leading UConn in scoring game in and game out. I believe it's the last four or five games now. She has been the leading scorer for UConn, and she is their most important player because you take her away now, and they're a completely different team. They're nowhere near as effective. So when you have Caroline Ducharme with Kristen Williams with Avina Westbrook, who can get it going, she had a down game here in this one, only three points. But you have those three with Paige Beckers, with Nika Meal, with AZ Fudd. That's the deepest backcourt in women's college basketball. And that's why UConn will be a threat to win the national championship once March comes, provided that everyone is healthy, provided that Paige Beckers is at 100%, that AZ Fudd is at 100%, that everyone's back. You know, they're going to be in the mix. Their rebounding has to get a little bit better. Only 34 boards here in this game. You know, if you want to beat South Carolina in a Final Four, you know, if you want to beat Stanford, if you want to take down Arizona, if you want to match up with even Louisville, you got to have the ability to rebound. Because those teams have great size and they gang rebound a lot of their individual players, rebound it very well also. So to be up to Olivia Nelson Adota, Dorka Yuhas, Aliyah Edwards barely showed up here in this game against DePaul. Eight minutes, two rebounds. She has fallen out of the rotation. And something tells me that she's not really gonna find her way back in there as much coming up. Because, you know, when you hit the bench at UConn, you know, especially after you were a starter 
and you know you were playing a lot that's not a good sign it's not something that will bode well for her moving forward if they absolutely have to have her I think they will deploy her I think she will get some minutes but you know if she's only playing eight minutes here in this DePaul game what do you think is going to happen in the NCAA tournament you know when they're playing some of the other best teams in the country you know I, I hate to say it but I think Aaliyah's really falling out of favor with Gino Oriema I think her inability this season to execute the pick and roll that may have something to do with Paige out you know inability on the glass to rebound consistently you know those things she did last year and it's not happening as much this year so UConn again still has to get some things fixed there's still some flaws on their team but I like where they're at I like where they're headed South Carolina obviously getting an easy win there Tennessee this is the last team I want to talk about before we go off Tennessee Lady Vols ranked fourth in the AP top 25 18-1 18-1 and one overall, absolutely a team that can win a national championship this year. And the reason I say that is not because they're lighting it up offensively, putting up 80 points a game. It's because of their ability to hold down opponents on the defensive end. According to her hoop stats, Tennessee's ranked 18th in the country in scoring defense, 4th in opponents' points per 100 possessions, and they're winning by a margin of 17 per game. That's also top 15 in the country. Those metrics don't lie. Tennessee is an elite team. I don't think this is a mirage. I do think that this is for real. I do think Tennessee is the real deal. Tamari Key individually on the inside is a defensive player of the year candidate. In addition to that, she will be a candidate for the Lisa Leslie Award. She'll be right up there with Aaliyah Boston and Alyssa Cunane. You know, she doesn't score as much of those players. This Tennessee team doesn't revolve around one player like NC State does more or less. South Carolina revolves around Boston more or less. This Tennessee team, very well-rounded. Alexis Dye, Ray Burrell's coming back. Jordan Horston here nearly had a triple-double, 19-11-4. Really excited to see this Tennessee team coming up in two more matchups in particular. They're at UConn, and they're taking on South Carolina towards the end of the season. In those two games, we will see whether this team is for real or not. We're going to see if this team is capable of winning a championship because those are teams that will also be in the running for that national title and teams that they could play deep in the NCAA tournament. So... Keep an eye on those two games at UConn and against South Carolina. Really excited to see what we have coming up throughout all of college basketball. Great stuff on the men's side. Great stuff on the women's side. Tons of stuff happening right now. This has been episode number 13 of College Sports Today. As always, we thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope you join us yet again next week. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Oh, 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 oh,